0: You're listening to The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm Sarah Hendricks. People are constantly searching for purpose. We want clarity on what our one thing is so that we can make better decisions and have clear direction in our lives. But the truth is that clarifying our purpose is not always that easy. That's where the core values come in. Jay Papazan returns to talk about the core values deck and shares how identifying your values can be a compass for your life and a tool to point you in the right direction. I've actually done the core values exercise a handful of times, and I uncover something new about myself each time, which is why it's number three in our top nine favorite podcast episodes. Please enjoy how core values drive your purpose with Jay Papazan. Hi Jay. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Okay, so Jay, tell me a little bit. I guess ever since I've known you, your decision-making process has been guided by three core values. Can you share a little bit about why you chose those values and how you began thinking about core values in your own life?
1: Um, Sure. The uh, just for clarification, I think that what you've seen me is when I'm making a big decision, a big life or business or business decision. I want to kind of tap into that, not like what Netflix show should we watch tonight, just to be really clear. But the origin here in the book, the one thing, a lot of people walk out of that and they want to know what's my one thing, right? And part of the foundation for that is not just what's the thing I need to do, but the the purpose, right? What am I here for? And when we travel around the country and we've taught it in corporations and in ballrooms and on Zooms now, The thing that bedevils a lot of people is tapping into this idea of purpose. And I'll just share with you, I struggled with that. It took me a long time to kind of write a statement that I felt was tapping into this idea of the thing that I needed to serve first, so that I knew that every investment of time was meaningful to me. And when I would teach people that journey, for me, it started with this idea of being um, the best Husband and father, I can be, right? And you know the backstory on that. It's very cheesy, but that's what motivates me. Like that's ultimately what gets me going. And I know if I tap into that thing, it's very personal. I'm likely to do the things that I might otherwise be unwilling to do so that I can enjoy the things, right? That you only get to enjoy if you do those things. It's just, it's a motivational tool. Over time, I've a shortcut showed up for me. And then Um, we were chatting about this. So in 2015, a couple of things happened. Um, I got to interview Greg McCown, who wrote Essentialism, fantastic book. It's white and black and red, just like the one thing. So they look really good together too. And they're also very um, complimentary books. And I remember reading that book and I, I have tons of notes in it. And a few months later, I interviewed an entrepreneur who I'd been introduced to. And the way they were introduced is, oh... This fella read your book, Jay, and as, of that, as a result of that, he sold his like seven-figure business.
0: Oh, mercy. How did that make you feel? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it freaked me out. In the same month that I met this entrepreneur, my wife had gone on... She's a realtor, a listing appointment. And you know, one of the questions you ask on someone, why are you selling your home? They said, well, I read this book. And she goes, well, what book? And they pulled out the one thing. And her thing was, well, I'm the realtor for you. But they were also like they were downsizing their life because of this purpose journey. And so two stories really close to each other. And I got to interview both of these people. This individual, his first name's Stu. He was really gracious. He was very open about it. He read Essentialism too. And we were comparing notes. He goes, it was that book and your book that led me on this journey. And there's a page um, in the book. It's a a section of the book about halfway through. It's called The 90% Rule. And McCallum is describing this process by which they pick some criteria for choosing candidates. And unless they all rated each candidate a 9 out of 10 on each of those, like they had to be at the 90% level or better for them to say yes to. And Stu, who was struggling with the purpose question from the one thing, read that and he's like, well, what if I come up with some values it epitomized like that's part of the journey, and there's now I've, I've read a lot of research that says this is actually a great stepping stone. And he came up with three: one was stress, um, one was impact, and I'm going to look at my notes to make sure. And the other one was profit. And stress was all about like could he could he leave work and be present for his family and stuff, which resonated with me. And he his thing was he stayed up all night. And he went to his wife and he says, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to have to sell the business. And when he shared why, she was obviously on board. And they've had a great journey since. It's not like his life went backwards or anything. This was a great move for him. But that was really inspirational. So that was in the fall of 2015. And I look back and I was sharing with you, like in January of 2016, up there with my purpose statement, I put three new words. And for me, it was family. Which when he was talking about stress, that was resonating with me because... You know, husband, father, that's all about family for me. That was my first value, that my first priority for sure. I want everything that I do to have a real impact. That's where Stu and I were absolutely pr- parallel. And for me, abundance. I don't... It's not necessarily about profit. That's a great thing for a business person to focus on. Abundance to me represents everyone who's participating in this is getting better. We're growing, Like right? There's... It creates more for everyone, um, not just for the business that created it. But those, and that's not in any way some sort of back, like, backhanded compliment or like uh, I guess criticism of his work. Your words are your words. But those are the ones that started resonating. I started playing with that. And that's when you, you and I met not long after that. And so big decisions for me. I was like, well, it probably needs to be a 9 out of 10 for my family. Is this going to bring me closer to them or move me away? Is this going to have an impact? Will I reach an audience of 100,000 or an audience of one? Right when I think about books, I want something that has the biggest possible audience to so get the biggest possible impact. And is it creating abundance? Right. So is it wow. inherently good? And so that's where it started. Um, that's where that's where the journey started.
0: Well, let me back that up because you said a lot of things that I think if someone's listening and they're trying to unpack, well, purpose and decision-making, so not everybody sees how those two really align. A lot of people envision their purpose as this like statement that comes from the heavens and that they're bestowed, <laughs> this, this guiding, beautiful purpose. But really, the way that you describe it is much more tactical and much more of a resource for how you make choices every single day. And I want you to just dig into that a little bit to explain how you... Uh, just how you process those two things and how they work together in your life each day.
1: Well, I'd say the same thing for company mission statements, right? Purpose and that, like a lot of them are really pretty, but they have no practical application, right? And as employees, they can say, wow, I love working for a company. We're here to do this. And it's like, well, how are you doing it? And like it, it, it can be very mushy. Let's put it that way, right? And so I've always kind of wanted it to be more practical than that. So that's me, me, Mr. Pragmatic. And talking to Stu, like he was using it as a compass. And so if you go back to the, the pyramid, if you remember the, the iceberg and the one thing, um, for those of you who haven't read it, our research suggested and our experience suggested that the, the greatest, most productive people and the most productive companies had a foundation of purpose. And because they understood what they were ultimately there for, their priorities became very clear and what we teach in the one thing this is where a lot of people jump straight to when you know what your priorities are and you're working in your priorities you're incredibly productive and in a business setting a company that's built on purpose which gives it great sense of priority direction clarity it makes them very productive makes them profitable like they they line up those dominoes line up so to me it was perfectly parallel it's just different language right this was another entry point to how do i identify my priority And this became kind of a system. Now I can just have a process. I've got a big decision. Let me hold up my values against it because they're very clear. And I've even got a rating system. Is it a nine out of 10, which I love? It's got a high standard. Now I know I can say a confident yes versus maybe I should look
2: for something that's a better match.
0: What I love about what you said is that a lot of people, when they think about their purpose, they want it to be this lightning moment. But for you, it was really sort of a process of working it through and really wrestling with it and finding words that made sense and then narrowing them down even more. So I think how... I guess when you think about when you want to give someone advice on how to go through that, because I hear it all the time. They're like, yeah, I really want to live by my purpose, but I don't know what it is. Like, what's the the two-inch domino that they can start with?
1: Well, we're going to get there in terms of we really like in 2018, a couple of other things happened where we started to refine it. And you and I have done the exercise with people. But I would tell you in general, and this is applies to everyone, is you can, I usually tell people, go wherever you like to go where you can have some thinking time. And maybe it's a cafe on a Saturday morning. Maybe you can uh, put your headphones on and go walk the dog while your partner is watching the kids. Like I know that it's finding alone time, maybe easier or tougher for some people, but I would encourage people to step out of their normal environment. That's why I say things like go on a walk or go to a cafe. It's your phone or your your favorite journal. And it's a process. It's a journey. I would love to have a road to Damascus moment, right? Where there's a lightning bolt from the heavens that just, boom, I think very, 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 very few people are given that gift. Um, I've read some research that suggests that less than 20% of people at a young age have any clarity, and most of them are highly religious, meaning, you know, I'm here to serve my God, whatever that looks like for them. Most of the rest of us are are, are stumbling in the dark. Even if I have that, it may not translate to something I can live every day. So it's a journey. Um, it's not hard but it requires you to stop and reflect. When I think about the decisions I've been happiest about, when I think about the ones I've regretted the most, what's the DNA in those, right? That job that I hated, was it just about the job or was it about the culture? And it it requires a little bit of reflection on our experience in order for us to start getting some clues about the things that matter to us. And I'll say one last thing. I don't want to turn this into a monologue, but for young people that may not have had a lot of reps in life, right? maybe they're still in school, they haven't even had a lot of job experience yet. There are people that know them, they have close friends, they have family, and you can also go to them and say, Caitlin, we've worked together for four years. What do you think makes me tick? What are the things that you think I hold most dear? And what are the things that you think I push away the fastest? I think both of those start giving you clues.
0: Yeah, sometimes we have the self-awareness to know that immediately, but sometimes the people closest to us know it far better than even we do ourselves.
1: (laughs) That's right, that's right. Um, They often have an unfiltered perspective on our lives. One of the things I read in college that stuck with me, and it was like French 101. So this is like so esoteric, but I remember in some, we're reading some play, a French play, right? I'm barely comprehending it, but the teacher said, you know, the definition of hell is the fact that Everything that we do, we color with our intentions. We know what we meant to do. And so we color whatever the outcomes were with that intention. But I didn't mean to hurt you, right? But the rest of the world sees our actions and our results. And they rarely have the benefit of knowing what we intended to do. And that gap is where a lot of things happen. And so, yeah, I think perspective, that outside, they're going to see like really clearly like, I know that you think that's why you're doing it, but I can tell you what you did do. And often, you've got Brent, I've got Wendy. The people who are closest to us often have the most unfiltered <laughs> view, right, unclouded <laughs> view of why we are do or don't do things.
0: Yeah, it's a blessing. It can cut in a way that is sometimes we're not ready to hear, but sometimes truth is so it can ring true in such a way that it can it can help guide that next step. So it hearing can cut, it can and
1: I'll say it always is helpful. We yeah. just have to be open to it. The truth is always helpful. We just We have to be ready to receive it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you hinted a little bit at something that happened a couple years ago, or really it was about a year and a half ago, because this has been in your life now since really 2015. You've been like just chewing on it and implementing it and trying things. But then about a year and a half ago, you came to me and said, Kayla and I have an idea. Do you think we can pull this off? I just want to test it. Can you talk a little bit about what that was?
1: Sure. And, and, and again, to be completely clear, like the origin stories for this conversation, it, it ultimately starts with the book that I got to write with Gary, right? Purpose. How do we... It was a big pain point for our readers, for our students. How do we solve that problem? And then like, you know, we all know our bands have their favorite influences. Like, oh, I listened to a lot of REM when I was growing up. Whatever that is, your influences, it starts with that great conversation with Stu and the essentialism. And then that summer, I was reading Brene Brown's um, Dare to Lead, and here it is—like this thing I've been doing for years. She's describing it in the end of the book, and she had a different process. She had a, about a hundred words to choose from, and she asked you to pick two. And I've been working from three, right? And I was like, "Wow, the parallels here are huge." I went from never having read Brene Brown to becoming like an overnight fan. Like that book changed my life; it was so impactful to me on my leadership journey. And then at the end of it was this gift. You know, she Her core values, I believe, are courage and one other one. She, she identified two, but I know courage was right up there, at, at, to be fearless. And I remember the thing I learned from her is she really wanted to write family. She wanted to put that other thing out there. And that was really for other people. She didn't want to hurt her kids. But she realized that by living courageously, she was actually serving them. So some values that you hold dear actually serve these other ones and that that idea of tier. So, wow, I'm looking at this and I'm going, wow, what a great... She outlines it. She's an actual psychologist, right? She is a researcher for sure. She's doing the similar process that we kind of organically kind of stumbled on. And then I met the founder of the Best Self Company. And they're known for their journals, but they also had just started doing these things called decks. And she gave me a deck called the Edison deck. My name's Catherine, if you're listening. Huge fan, huge fan. What an amazing, smart person. And the decks are there as cue cards. And I remember thinking, wow, how do we combine? Could we provide people with a list of values based on surveys and research? And there's lots of core values. If you study psychology, they'll call it an inventory of core values. And some of them are less plain spoken than others. But like we worked through that. And then like I gave you the challenge. Like there's these decks. Like, could we do something? And I described the exercise and you just kind of made it happen like in a week, didn't you?
0: Yeah. Well, we had a bunch of people come into Austin and we thought this is an opportunity where we can both try something with our community that we've never done before, that we know would serve them. And we hope that this process of doing it um, would resonate. But it was such a it was just such a fun like prompt that what I did is I just really took all your lists. we made like a little deck full of basically business cards.
1: Right. And And each uh, of them would have a word like joy or creativity or family or impact, right?
0: Exactly. And then it was just like a quick prototype because we knew that the physical materials themselves, at this point, we were just testing it. And the the response from the community was overwhelming. It was so powerful for people to flip through the deck and go through that self-discovery process of wanting to choose one word but realizing that it wasn't it. Or mercy. There were certain ones that they were like, oh, this is such a boring core value, but it actually is what drives me. And that was such a fun discovery as well. There were people there in the room that were with their spouse, with their team, and by themselves. And what was interesting to watch was the dynamic between those different relationships as they each had their own discovery process and then shared it with the people they cared about. And and it was really powerful. It was just a moment where we all looked at each other and said, we need to spend more time with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was... uh, The process, basically, is we asked people to go through the deck. And I think the first pass through, they can keep a maximum of like 10 cards... So it was a very um, low bar. Like if you kind of like it, put it in this stack. Everything else goes over there. And then it was a process of winnowing it down to their top three, and then they had to rank them in order. So that was kind of the process. So if you didn't have like those little prototypes that you created or the new ones that we've created, you could still do that exercise. Go get that journal. Go to the cafe. Go take a walk, and then start writing down like what are these things that I actually hold dear? What do my friends tell me? What does my partner tell me? And then you have to narrow it down. I don't think having 20 core values serves you, right? It's too much to check off. But I could really quickly, and that was kind of the wisdom from Stu, right? And that came from an exercise that was completely unrelated in essentialism. Like it was a business practice. It was about getting stuff done, right? (laughs) And it gives you like a really quick checklist. Does this hit these three criteria or not? But most people, that sounds like fun and they lean into it. That sounds like an opportunity. They lean into it. And um, our mutual friend, Pat Flynn, he wrote a book. And I just love the whole premise called Will It Fly? And he had coached so many people into building passive income streams through businesses. And he was like, the thing that shocked me is that people would build something that would pay him $100,000 a year and hate it because it didn't match them. And so we skipped this step of saying, no matter how profitable or lucrative or cool this might be, will we actually be happy with it when we get it?
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's there's fear in that too. There, there's a hesitation that there, it, there are many opportunities out there that might not align with your core values. And while you could do it, and you might be successful doing it, will you be fulfilled by doing it? And that is a tough question to ask yourself when you're facing great opportunities.
1: I love that you just surfaced this. Because now we're talking about that word that I love, abundance. And it's not one that I, I, I think I came by naturally. It's something that I've had to develop. But there are a lot of people that look up and they say, if I say no to this job opportunity, I'll never get something like this again. And the more I talk to... like The, the subtitle of the book is the extraordinary success, not average success. When you talk to people that are achieving at the highest level, the thing that they will almost universally tell you is that there is abundance out there. If you do say no to this thing, keep going. There will be other opportunities. I, I, I choose. I don't want to choose to believe that if there's this fork in the road, that if you miss it or you guess wrong, you're doomed, right? I, I refuse to believe that life works that way and I've seen no evidence that it does. So I'm sure someone will immediately write us or email us and tell us of the exception. But I do believe for the most part You live long enough, you start to realize that there's always another opportunity. There's always another chance. And you can become the author of your life, right? You can start making active choices, but you have to understand yourself to make that choice. That's the thing that most people are forgetting. Most people, it's an easy no. Like, oh my gosh, this is like a one on all three. Like that should be an easy no. That process of discovery is what they've they've missed.
0: Well, it's interesting too what... I love about how you have these three words. They also become such a tool to not have regret over the opportunities you've missed because you know confidently that you've made the right choice because you have a system and a process to to measure it by.
1: Yes, and it was funny. Is there's a there's a Gary's taught me this. There's a continuum of yes and no. There is like absolute no, and there is like yes, like I, beyond all yeses, right? But most of life falls somewhere in between. And so, the real wonderful thing is you look up and you say, wow, I've got this new opportunity to write a new book or to take a role in a new business or to move to a new town or whatever that is, right? There's some bigger decision, right? Again, bigger than Netflix, bigger <laughs> than that. Say, so, wow, this is like a 799. Like it's, 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 it's on the plus side. Do I want to compromise? What it allows you to do when things are a close match, it allows you to ask, Is there a way I could approach this that would make it a 999? Are there conditions I could put on it that would make it a 999? And what's so funny today, like we've now discovered so many people, if they had more flexibility around their work schedule, if I could just work from home, I could be a better parent sometimes. There's a lot of people who are really happy to go back to the office. But we've realized in a lot of workplaces that that was a lot more negotiable than we ever originally thought. Right, And there's things that we can just now negotiate and ask for, and and we can nudge things. But again, if you don't ask the question and do some sort of at least high-level assessment, you don't know where it is. Is it a close miss or a really big miss? Is it an easy no? Or is it a... Man, this is a maybe. I just need to maybe tweak this thing.
0: Yeah. Well, the process also slows you down a little bit so that you don't just quickly gut react to things because it gives you that space to actually get creative and actually ask those questions. And I just love that as a tool and a habit for thinking because once that's in place, then your decisions become exponentially more aligned with your purpose and with the the life that you want.
1: Absolutely. Our good friend, um, Keith Cunningham, who's been on this podcast many times, he says gut is an acronym that stands for gave up thinking. (laughs) <laughs> right? and, and there is no excuse for doing that in business. And I would tell you, a lot of people use that as an excuse right, for making rash decisions. I use my gut. right. I followed my heart. Yeah, you can pause for two seconds and put a little bit of analysis on that and make a better decision for your heart and for your business and for your life. One other thing, like if people are thinking about, Oh, wow, this weekend, I want to start this process. I want to do this thing. I'll go back to where we started. It is a little bit of a journey. So if you do this exercise, whether you get a hold of one of our decks from um, our exercises, or you just do the, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the association game. What are the the words that I associate? The values that really drive my decisions that I've loved or or want to move away from? What are those words? Write them somewhere where you'll see them every day. Um, I've seen some people create like a text message on their phone, screen capture it, and put that right. Um, we teach people to do that. That may have been your idea or Jeff's idea. <laughs> So that every time you open your phone, you're seeing them, right? I put them on my goal sheet. That's the placeholder in my notebook where I journal every day. So every day I have to see those words. And I can tell you that I tweak mine over time, right? You, you start to yeah. go, you know what? That's not quite the word. Um, maybe it's a different word. Um, so like, you know, I, my joke is don't rush out and get a tattoo. <laughs> it for a while, date it for a while and then get married.
0: Well, and to be fair, we change and evolve as people. And yeah. so those words and that purpose and the reason that we're here, sometimes that can be shaped just by our life's experiences.
1: Absolutely true. I love that you said that. I kind of like, my wife asked me this because that that family has been on the top, that husband, father has been at the top. And it's like, is that gonna change when our kids go off to college? Hmm. Because so much right now of the family decision is about the fact that both of my kids still live in my home and I'm blessed enough, even though one of them's 16, that they still want to hang out with me sometimes, right? Like, does that become something that really needs to be the lead domino in three or four years? And I'm open to that changing. And it doesn't mean that I've violated my values. It means that I'm evolving and that my compass needs to stay relevant.
0: Well, and another way to think about it is that because you've made that your priority and this core value that has ranked above all others, you've actually made space for others to take its place in the sense that you've earned the right then to add more things because that foundation is there. And because you've mm-hmm. done the work and you've made those decisions, and now it it opens up new opportunities.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people um, just get caught up in how heavy this can be. And I just say, make it a journey, make it fun, play with it, um, share it with a few people that know you well. And it can be really, really insightful.
0: It's funny you mentioned that people think it can be heavy. So I have to say, I got on a Zoom call with my entire big giant family, which has very different ideas about the world. We are, I'm one of five girls and we all have partners and live all across the country and have lived all over the world. And I invited them to do this exercise with me. And I got to say, people were shaking in their boots because ah. it felt very vulnerable to share our core values with each other. But the reason I I suggested it was really because I've seen what it can do in so many different kinds of relationships. And I thought, what an opportunity to get to know each other in a different way. And I'll tell you, it was so revelatory and so humbling to see my sisters talk about what they've learned. And one of the big things that came up was all of... I have one sister who she said, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the core values... I value and that I want to show up in, I'm not actually... They're not actually strengths. They're things that I fight and really work to integrate into my life. But what's interesting is my partner, they're natural for him. And it's so interesting the way that we choose people for the life that we need and the values that we are bringing into the world. I just thought it was such a... It was such a neat place of discovery and absolutely not a negative experience. Not as heavy as anybody thought it was.
1: Well, and and to be fair, we've facilitated this together with huge rooms of people... And sitting shoulder to shoulder. And we always tell people, look, keep your eyes on your own desk, you know, just so that people have privacy. But people do lean into it. They are innately curious to, we rarely invest the time and we should in really reflecting on what makes us tick. And that is such a gift to understand that and to, to be able to share that with a partner. And you, you've hit so many things for me, like this exercise, and we facilitate it for this reason, right? It's great for the individual. It's great for a partnership, whether that be a spouse partnership or a business partnership. Do we have the same values? I interviewed um, three gentlemen um, at our last big educational event, and they started an amazing real estate business in Washington. All three of them were like rookie of the year quality. And what showed up is that they had so wise to be like in their early 30s or whatever they were. And they were like, we knew that for this to last, because we all could be very successful on our own, we had to know that our core values right? They went right there. And he just immediately said a very specific mission statement about what that business was there to do. And they were all going to do whatever it takes to make that thing happen. So I think it's a great exercise for not just team building, like you did it with your family, almost like a team building exercise. Let's learn about each other and be more connected to each other, which you could do with your team. I shared with you, I walked into one of my bosses, right? I, I own businesses, but I am an employee and I've got bosses. And Ellen was using one of our values decks, and she was using it to try to identify what were the qualities that she was truly looking for in her leadership team. So I think whether you're looking at it as a frame for what is our business about, what is our team about, what is our family about, what am I about, it's just a, it's just a, a way that, to get you there a little faster, and it can facilitate that journey.
0: Yeah. And it can open up conversations that you wouldn't have otherwise had that really help you discover things in new ways and see each other in new light. Mm -hmm. And I would say one of the things that people... I think the reason it can be heavy for people is that they worry that if we don't have the exact same values, it means we can't be in in a relationship together or we can't go into business with one another. So talk about how that is absolutely not the case. We can have very different values while also um, moving forward together. So unpack that a little bit.
1: Okay. If we actually had to have complete matches or even close matches on our core values, there would be very few things that we could do in teams in any environment, whether that be in a church or a business or wherever that is, right? The reality is, and we see this a lot in the goal-setting retreat, people are afraid to go and build five-year goals with their partner for fear that they might realize that they're heading in other directions. And you and I both know this because we've lived it. Reality is that's such a gift to know that. Because now we get to serve each other when we, instead of thinking we're drifting apart, we know that we'll have to communicate stronger, right? If we're going to both pursue the life that we're meant to life and the values we're meant to pursue, we have to support each other in different ways. I mean, you were sharing that one of your sister's partner almost was a reinforcement to help her live her values better, faster, easier. And that's, they're gonna compliment us. I guess the only exception to that would be Right, There are times, and we've lived it, where we walk into an environment where we know these people don't just reflect our values, they are antithetical to our values. And that is something that could show up. But the odds that you're in a deep relationship with that person, I guess it happens. That would be a gift too, wouldn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing that gives you new clarity and it helps you navigate things. And it just really helps you understand people differently. And it can be simple words. I mean... Can I ask you
1: what your three are? I'm going to put you on the spot.
0: Oh, so here's the thing. My first two never change. And yeah, they're definitely... it's. But my third one shimmies in and out.
1: You're illustrating the point. You're still on the journey. And you've been playing this game for at least 18 months to two years, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, impact is number one all the time. Impact has shown up. And when I look at my life and the jobs I've chosen and the relationships that I've gotten into and the experiences I've had, it really was such a a clue and really evidence of that being a core value that I hadn't articulated, but I had been living by. Community was definitely huge. Um, Community is number two. And what's interesting is my partner, Brent, community is also his... I think it's either number two or number three for him. And so that shows up for us differently. But uh-huh. it's really important that we invest in community and we be part of a community. We belong to one and we get to contribute to one.
1: And then well, the third... If you, were in, if you were in Brene Brown's framework, you'd already be at the finish line. since so, she... <laughs> so, I mean, one, you got to know what the lead one is. The secondary one is great because when you think about... In order for us to point in any direction, you have to have two dots to draw a line between them. Right? Yeah. But anytime you're mapping, you need at least two dots to draw a line. Otherwise, there's no guidance. So having two gives you a guidance system. What are the the some of the words that you've been dating or flirting with for that third?
0: Well, creativity and curiosity are kind of the same for me, but they show up in, they show up a lot. And I think that for me, if I am not exercising my creativity, I start to feel pretty, pretty stale. And I feel like there's a part of my brain that is this place that I love to explore, but I don't always get the luxury of going there. So when creativity is not available, I start to get grumpy. And when I don't have the space to be curious because I've got so much to do, that's when things start to not be as fun. And when even the things I love tend to be challenging. So I think it's much more at that point, they serve the same purpose in many ways, but they just show up in different areas of my life.
1: Yeah, well, that's where I would be like, just pick one and know that the meaning is there for both. Like, I have rarely met and I work with creative teams. I have, you know, two, three directly creative teams that roll up to me, and that's been the, all of my career. It is incredibly rare to find someone that you would truly call creative that was not also curious. So is it curiosity that drives the creativity or is the creativity driven by that's your choice, but those words are, they're cousins, right? They are definitely in the same family, which is what, you know, we usually have people, why don't you stack those cards and play with them and that's kind of what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really interesting too, because when I look at how they inform each other, like my ability to make an impact in the world absolutely has shown up in the way that I drive community and contribute to and, Um, really examine different communities in my life. And so it's interesting the way they all sort of funnel up to each other and inform each other while also being sort of a package deal.
1: Love it. Again, this is a tool. It gives you maybe... Helps you get there faster. You can do it with or without a tool. Just do the thought process. What What makes me tick, honestly, is the shorthand for this whole thing. Do you know what makes you tick? And I can tell you from having lived it for, I don't know, almost 5 years now, that having a handful of things, three really, that can serve as a kind of guidance system, it's not its not a chore at all. It gives you such clarity. It makes your yeses stronger and your noes stronger. It gives you like less regret. You hit on that earlier. And more anticipation, right? Oh, wow. This yes is really aligned. And I get now to... I know I have so many more reasons to be excited about it. Um, I just think it's such a gift if people will make this small investment, a relatively small investment that can serve them their whole life.
0: Yeah, you sort of when you know those things about yourself, you kind of can become your own cheerleader and your own sage. You know what I mean? Like you get to have that sort of um, observation of yourself making decisions with that through that lens that really does just reinforce when you're making good ones and when you're heading in the right direction. And you get to cheerlead for those op- opportunities.
1: Well, we we've all, I mean. We've all worked with someone like this. And if you're a parent, you may have lived with someone like this, right? Because teenagers are still figuring this stuff out for sure, right? And it's messy because they've got hormones that are just stirring the drink while they're doing it. But like, if someone doesn't actually know um, what makes them tick, it can feel erratic, right? It can feel a little weird. And we, we know those people. Like You're probably imagining someone in your head is like, ah, there's someone who hasn't figured this out. Most of us, I think have done some of the journey, but we haven't articulated it. Yeah. So we know it's kind of like the cat and the hot stove. It's like i that. That's hot. I ain't touching it. And we have this kind of directional sense of what we want to avoid and what we kind of want to lean into. This is just kind of taking that inner gut feeling and really refining it to a place that you can really make clear decisions around.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know what's exciting to me though is as we've discovered this and we've facilitated this experience of others finding their core values, now that we actually have created this product and it's going to be out in the world, that so many people are going to be able to experience that gift and to discover their own core values with each other and with their teams and with themselves so that they can go on that journey to really identifying their purpose and living by it every day. Love that. Jay, thanks so much for taking the time to share all these stories with me because I've known this about you ever since I've known you. And yet I didn't know the history behind it and the stories that came with it. So I really do appreciate you sharing that with me.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. If you can't tell, it's been important in my life and I'm kind of passionate about it too. Thank you. Oh (laughs) yeah.
0: Yep, indeed. All right, thanks Jay. Bye-bye. There you have it. My conversation about core values with Jay Papasan. What I've appreciated about researching core values, developing this new one thing tool and partnering with Jay and our community to make it happen is how much clarity three little words can bring. It sounds so simple and it is, which is why it's such a powerful exercise of discovery and a powerful tool to put into practice. If you want to learn more about our core values deck, visit the one thing.com slash core values. That's with the number one in the URL. You'll be the first to know when they are officially available to purchase and we'll keep you posted on any new trainings we release to go with it. If you attended one of our events where we facilitated the core values exercise, we'd love to hear about your experience in your own words. Send us a voice memo or an email to events at the one thing.com to let us know how understanding your core values has helped you navigate difficult decisions, tap into your one thing and live your purpose. If this episode has brought value to you, Who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you are that person, welcome to The One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for all of you, please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast player of choice as it helps us reach far more people. Impact is one of our core values and you're helping us make a greater impact in the world. Thanks so much for listening to The One Thing Podcast. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.